You're locked in to stop, look, and listen on MyForecast.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Stop, Look, and Listen. I'm your host, LaTroy Gardner. Uh, this week, you know, we have a staple in the South Carolina hip-hop community. Um, we have the co-founder of Nonstop Hip Hop Live, the owner of Turntable City Record Store, and the co-founder of Keep God First Publications. We have Kingsley Waring, better known to us all as Kingpin, the villain of the vinyl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, no doubt. You know, a privilege. A privilege. Yes, sir. All right. So, um, like I said, Kingpin is the co-founder of Nonstop Hip Hop Live. Um, they've been, you know, blessing us, you know, with their many contributions for close to 25 years now. Yeah, it's been, um, it's, it's been a while. <laughs> it's definitely been a while. Uh, oof. Yeah, me and uh, DJ Shakis, we go way back. Like, we probably started, we started, actually, Nonstop Hip Hop Live came after Nonstop Hip Hop. We started mm-hmm. Nonstop Hip Hop, the radio show, at uh, WUSC 90.5 FM. That was like 98. Right. 98 or so. But I started doing the hip hop show there probably like 95, going into 96. So it used to be called uh, Five Six Seven Productions, because you know a lot of my family is from the Low Country, and if you know, you know, phone numbers, the phones was always five six seven such and such and such. So that's how it started. But then me and Shakis got together like '98, and from there we took off. What part of the Low Country? Uh, St. Stephen, South Carolina. Okay, I'm yep. familiar. I'm from yep. Beaufort. I'm from okay. St. Helena. Well, there you go. You definitely understand. <laughs> <laughs> definitely understand. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the right time to you know be doing a hip hop show. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just pretty sure there was endless inspirations as far as the quality of music coming out at that time. Oh, oh yeah, definitely, man. You know, I came up. I was born and raised Harlem, New York, but I moved down to South Carolina. You know, probably like right around middle school or so, and right. you know that was. That was definitely middle eighties and you know, I was in the mix of it, man. You know, Big Daddy Kane and Rakim Karis one and all of those, they was real popular at the time and you know, I just fell in love with it, man. So, you know, I you know, I'm I'm still in love with it, man. I'm always a fan of the music, man. So that was that oh, yeah. was that's what really got me started, man. Yeah. So I mean, we all know the four core elements of of the hip hop culture. Yep. Uh DJ, graffiti. Um, b-boy mcs yeah what why did you gravitate towards being a dj <laughs> I, I think i think everybody if you hip-hop then you've tried it all you right. tried to break dance you did graffiti you know you tried to rap a little bit and you tried to dj and then like i said you know i was from i'm from the birthplace in new york so in new york it was extremely evident everywhere you went graffiti everywhere trains buildings you know, people walking around with their notebooks or walking around with book bags. I mean, I used to see, you know, B-boys and, you know, just break dancing everywhere because it was just the music. And then, of course, you know, rappers and DJs, like uh, some of my favorite DJs that really got me into it. You know, of course, Jam Master J and, 
you know, looking at Grandmaster Flash and, you know, a lot of the DJs at that time, uh, Eddie F and Mr. C and uh, all kinds of DJs just back in that day just really got me into it. But, you know, I tried my hand at everything, man. I tried to rhyme. <laughs> I, used to, I used to call myself uh, Kingsley Ski. Uh-huh. I used to, you know, because when I, when, I, when I really started loving hip-hop was the group Fat Boys. Right. Fat Boys was the first group, like the first piece of wax that I ever bought. And it was a MC in that group called Cool Rock Ski. And he was one of my favorite MCs of all time. So I called myself Kingsley Ski, but I tried to record myself and, you know, you know, pause tapes, just recording myself just to listen. And I uh-huh. hated how my voice sounded. <laughs> so, so I stopped. But, you know, in the mix of me realizing, you know, I wasn't an MC, man. I kept buying records and buying tapes and, you know, getting cassettes. Like, I really got to credit my uh, a lot of my older cousins, like my cousin Anthony and my cousin Corey, just stealing their tapes and making copies of their tapes. My cousin Cookie, like all types of it just taking their stuff and just really building my collection. And I just fell in love with the music, you know, only child. So, you know, when you come up as an only child, you just needed an outlet. And for me, it was the music. So eventually, you know, I just, I used to draw, I used to do graffiti, but eventually I just, you know, gravitated towards the music side of it. So just DJing in the production just really, it just hit me. And, you know, once I, once I, <laughs> once I got my collection, better and once i got confident it was no turning back for me right i mean so what technique took you the longest to master uh for me really just actually learning how to blend the records together Mm -hmm. like making sure i can go from one record to the next on beat that took the longest time it it took me it took me a couple months of just practice because you know i used to like i said i did pause tapes and you know, I used to play songs that were familiar, but just once I had to train my ear to hear how one record could go to the next record, once I got that done, everything else was just cakes, easy. That was the hardest part for me, just learning. It took a couple months. It took a couple listening, you know, a couple different styles, different types of records just to hear it, to practice. But once I got that, it was it was, it was was on to the races from there. Nice. So, I mean, I know... You've probably been in the presence of the greatest DJs to ever do it. Like, um, I've seen a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, so who's someone that you just witnessed, you know, doing that thing, and you was like, "This is crazy." Like, <laughs> I could, I could never do that. Well, of it's, it's been, it's definitely been a lot of DJs I've seen, but uh, probably for me, might be Jazzy Jeff. Right. DJ Jazzy Jeff. I caught him. And this was actually, you know, and I've seen a lot of DJs. You know, I'm 45. So I've I've been around and I've seen a ton of DJs. But I probably, I caught Jazzy Jeff. Might have been about five or six years ago now. And just watching him, his control of the records, his control of the crowd, him and Kid Capri. I've seen DJ Kid Capri too. And just like Jazzy Jeff was using Serato at the time. And, you know, for those who don't know, Serato is a digital program where you can manipulate music like you would actual records, but he killed it crazy. But then I seen Kid Capri back when he was still using records and he came in at least 15, 20 crates of records and just going back and forth and just like, just watching those two really like changed the, changed the, (laughs) changed my whole mindset and knowing 
Like, you know, I'm below them. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm still dope, but I know those fellas, they get busy. Nice. I mean, I've seen, yeah, I've seen both of them in person. And yeah, yeah. Jeff, Jeff is different. Yeah, he's like different. <laughs> like different. Like he's he's definitely like lately he's become he's definitely one of my favorite DJs, but lately he's become one of my favorite producers too. Just yeah. his style and just his, you know, you can tell he really got a genuine love for the music. And that's me. I just I gravitate to the music, man. If if people really love the music, then you know, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, and you two seem to have like a similar type of demeanor. You I can know? see that. Oh, yeah. my, wife, my wife has said that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> she definitely said that. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you just mentioned how, um, like, he was a master, you know, at using Serato. Yeah. Just, talk, just talk about that. Do you use Serato? Since, I mean, a lot of the old school DJs <laughs> frown at that. Like, yeah. they want you to stick to vinyl. Yeah, they, they really do. And, you know, of course, you know, when you when you old, of course, you got your gripes. and But, you know. For me, Serato has changed the game. Like, it's literally me not bringing a ton of crates and just me bringing a hard drive with some of the same songs, just doing, you know, what I want to do. Serato just makes it easier to DJ. But this the thing I want people to understand is whether you use vinyl, CDs, control buttons, none of that matters if you can't DJ. It's the DJ that really matters. It's your It's your song selection, your song history, your knowledge. Like everything is just technology. Technology just makes things better. You know, that's the difference between a pen and a pencil. A pencil, you had to keep erasing and, you know, keep sharpening to keep, you know, keep it working. That's why they invented the pen. And the pen just lets you write better, more smoother, so you don't have to break it up. And it's the same thing. Like Serato's, it's a it's a fantastic tool, man. But, you know, of course, I'm a purist at heart. I still love vinyl. I just did a, a event a couple weeks ago, actually. Where it was just strictly vinyl, but I've actually been using Serato for a while. Probably about probably about ten years now. I've mm-hmm. used Serato, but I still definitely still do events with vinyl. You know, I'm you know, it's in my name, the villain of vinyl, so I can't let it go. <laughs> okay, so so how did you get the name Villain of Vinyl? What does it mean? For me, the villain of vinyl is you know, of course, you know, we hip hop. So everybody oh, yeah. comes up with some type of, you know, moniker or whatever. But, you know, I've, like I said, I've been collecting records forever. And if anybody knows me, if you really know me, you know, I got a collection that's crazy. Like I started collecting 45s and records. Then I have tape collections, like all types of records. And I've just been collecting, collecting, collecting. And Whenever somebody needs a record or looking for a sound, whether it's a producer that I know or a DJ or even an MC looking for, you know, stuff to rhyme over, a lot of people just call me because they just know I might have the record or I know how to get the record. And I've just been collecting for years, you know, like for years, all back in high school and college. Like I remember literally I used to work at Papa Jazz back in college. I used to <laughs> walk out of there with records instead of money, man. So I just been collected <laughs> so so for so long, and then you know it just you know I was I was looking for something to separate myself from other people, from right. other DJs, and because you know I I don't want to be like I never I was never one to follow the crowd, I was never one to try to be like another DJ, like you know every DJ I know has their style or should have their own style. There's a lot of DJs who just 
play what's hot in the clubs or play what everybody wants them to play. And that's good for the time frame. But, you know, I've always been one to try to just separate myself from everybody. And the best way to do it was just, you know, making sure I knew the music. And for me, knowing the music was through the records. And it's very few records that I don't have, you know, hip hop wise, even soul wise. And it's a ton that I still do need. But, you know, just learning the records. So I just called myself the villain of vinyl. It just flowed better. And, you know, I just loved it. So it was either that or I was going to call myself the uh, <laughs> spectacular one. <laughs> <laughs> but the villain of vinyl, just, it just sounded better for me. <laughs> and, of course, I'm a, you know. I think if you're a hip hop head, you're a huge comic book fan, like, mm-hmm. you know, or cartoons, you know, I came up on Transformers and, you know, Thundercats and, you know, all that type of stuff. And it was always the villains, like the Decepticons, they was always the best, you know, you know, the best to me. So the villain of vinyl just fit. Right. right. All right. So, I mean, continuing with your prowess yes. of, um, you know, collecting, you know, let's just talk about, <laughs> the, uh, the art of digging in the crates and how you may it may be a conflict of interest because you own a record store like yeah. <laughs> do you do you sometimes get orders in and you just be like I'm gonna keep this for myself <laughs> or do I or or do I just put it out on the shelf for a few days and if nobody snatches it up then it's yeah. mine it, it, it really just depends because it, it's definitely it's definitely a struggle some days some days I get some great collections and I know the records and I'm like, man, I really want to keep this record. But then when I go home, I find out I might actually already have the record. So a lot of times the best thing for me is just if I see a record that I like, just to wait, go check my collection first. And then if I got it, then I'm good. I can sell it. But if I don't have it and I really need it, then I'm adding it to the collection. So that's <laughs> that's the beauty of owning a record store because I get first dibs on everything that comes through. So oh, there, yeah. there are tons of records that come in that really have not seen daylight here at the store. <laughs> there are tons, you know, I, I get collections with probably two, three hundred records. Probably three or four of those records are ones that I really need. They coming home with me and the rest just goes out. So but it really just depends on the record because nice. there's, there's a lot. Like for me, the the gaps that I'm really trying to fill are the records that I came up with. Like, you know, a lot of the early hip hop type stuff because, mm-hmm. you know, when hip hop became popular, it was mainly CDs. Right. Like they made vinyl records, but they mainly made like 12 inches, things like that. So finding like full albums, that's definitely hard, especially for like between probably about like 86, like from about 86 to about 96. That era of hip hop records, I'm really looking for a lot of those. If if I don't have them already, most of them I got, but, you know, there's still a ton that I'm after, especially like a lot of like West Coast type stuff. So, but it really yeah. just depends. So, I mean, has any of the notorious um, crate diggers popped into um, Turntable City? Oh, like, yeah. Um, a Diamond D or a Pete Rock or Q-Tip, anyone not, like that? Not yet. I'm waiting for those. When they do come, you will definitely see them online. But I've definitely had uh, uh, a lot of a lot of fellas. Ninth Wonder has been in uh, a couple cats, a lot of cats from you know North Carolina, Georgia, Florida. A lot of producers I'm not going to mention just yet have definitely been in. So it's definitely, and then you know it's not just even producers, man. I get you know a lot of rock acts and. 
you know, a couple of reggae artists. It's all types of people just looking for records. And mm-hmm. some records they find like, you know, just this a week ago, it's not so much she wasn't popular, the lady who popped in, but she was an older lady and she was looking for a record to celebrate her father. Because her father, he just lost his, might have been like his aunt or his his mother. So she was trying to celebrate her father through finding a record of his mother. And she used to be a gospel singer. And lo and behold, I had the record here in stock. You know, her her son went online looking for a record because he found out about the family history or whatever. Found out that I had the record and she just popped in. And she was like, she was looking looking forever because, you know, her father's getting up in age and she just wanted to make sure that he, you know, had a great Christmas this year. So, you know, it's stuff like that, you know, that, you know, makes me keep doing what I'm doing, man. Yeah. Nice. Well then, um, let's go all the way back. Let's, um, let's talk about the WUSC days and how, how did you meet, um, Sherard Duvall, AKA Shaquise the Beast? And how did you two, you know, form this, memorable long-standing partnership man we, we we just we just clicked you know i used to and when if if you went to usc back with me back when i had i used to have a lot more hair <laughs> i used to have you know huge afro and braids back in the days and then i used to always walk around with headphones on my head so i always had you know that's when you had walkmans so i always had tapes in my bag and i had my headphones and then you know, me and him used to just see each other in passing because, you know, we both graduates of USC. So, you know, just to see him in passing, you know, just speaking, just what's up or whatever. But then, you know, like I said, I started doing the radio show like 95, 96. And then, you know, he was DJing, doing his thing. I had no idea he was DJing, but, you know, he was doing his, I was doing mine. And then, you know, when we were at USC, uh, I think he wanted, he came up to a, uh, like an interest meeting and he found out, you know, that, you know, there was actually a hip hop show already running and, you know, me and him just clicked like that. We got together, we sat, we chopped it up about music. And, you know, after that, from the first show we was on like, and then this was, like I said, this was like early 98 had to be like, like probably January, 1998. So it's been a long time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so did did you two like kind of have that same drive when it comes to um i guess building that that south carolina or columbia um hip-hop infrastructure and um like getting guests on the shows and then you know taking it up to another level and promoting events and yeah. you know a, a, a lot of that a lot of that stemmed from just a radio station because, you know, when you do radio, you get music from everywhere. And we used to get music from all over the country, but we also used to get like CDs and tapes from local artists just trying to get their music out there and heard. And then we started thinking like, man, you know, what would be dope? What would be dope is if we could, you know, invite local artists up to, you know, come to the radio, do interviews and stuff. And we started doing a lot of that and that stuff, got real busy doing just, you know, inviting all different types of artists, like from all over the state, like, you know, artists, different DJs, like we've had B-Lord up there. We've had Scissorhands, Shock Kim, all type, just DJs from all over, even Prince Ice, DJs from all over the state just coming to rock and, you know, MCs just coming to rock. And, you know, we was like, man, the vibe was so dope inside the studio 
He was like, man, we got to find some place to actually do this so everybody can see it. Not just the people who listen to us, but at least try to create some type of platform for everybody else. And from nonstop hip hop, nonstop, the radio show was from like 98 till about 2002, 2003 ish. We were doing that. And in the midst of doing a radio show, you know, we were just getting offers from other places who just were looking to do stuff. And, you know, we decided, you know, we went to like group therapy and we did shows at the elbow room down to five points. And we just decided, man, we just got to create a space, a safe haven, you know, for a lot of the cats that we know and love and the music that we know, because at that time you got to think about it to go hear live hip hop. You got to go to the club and you got to go to clubs. You got to go to strip clubs and, Nine times out of ten, when you go into the club, you don't want to hear people perform. You want to dance, drink, you know, feel up on some girls, you know, just have some fun. That's what most people was trying to do at that time. But, you know, we definitely did stuff at the clubs, but we was like, we want to make sure it's like an incubator for artists, like something that's dedicated to the art space, not so much the party club or the party crowd, but for those who want to, you know, pursue the music and really do it. So it was, you know, that's that's really how it became for us. Just, right. you know, trying to make sure we could provide a space for people. Yeah. And I kind of, I caught wind of you guys, I'd say like 2002, I guess the tail end of the show. Okay. Um, because, you know, I was at Winthrop and, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot of um, Columbia high and Keenan yeah. graduates that went to Winthrop, you know, and Eclipse. I mean, we were, we were college roommates. Okay. So okay. I would, okay. I would come support him and, okay. and Will Peasy as well. Yeah. Another, um, college friend. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Once they said, yeah, this, it's this place called new Brooklyn Tavern. I'm going to be performing there. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'll ride with you. I'll ride that hour and, yeah. and check y'all out. And, you know, this, Built relationships that's with crazy. you all ever since then. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. That's like over twenty years, but that's like two decades. <laughs> so, oh yeah, that's that's a very long time. But yeah, that's it was just it was just taking what the radio show was and putting it live on stage. Basically, that was mm -hmm. really the whole goal. And you know, the best way to do that was to get the homegrown talent. So you know, we've you know all types of artists, like you know. Priest Jacobs, I, you know, when Priest was like 14, you know, 15, like he had his first radio appearance on our show and, you know, like giving, like it was really giving Prince Ice an opportunity to rock the way, you know, because Ice, you know, if you know DJ Prince Ice, mm -hmm. he's the foundation of South Carolina hip hop, period. I don't, you know, when it comes to hip hop on the radio, you've heard it from DJ Ice, Prince Ice and just giving him an opportunity you know, because me and Shaquise both grew up listening to him on the radio and just giving him an opportunity just to do what he wanted to do, just to shine, just to see his skills and see how he does it. You know, that was, that was you know, that's like when you're meeting your idols, man, meeting your heroes. So it was just good that we had a space that we could do that. And so it just, it just blossomed from there, man. Like, you know, we've had oof, hundreds, if not thousands of artists on that stage, man. Or just DJs, and just you know, it's been all types of people. Dr. Todd McLean provides periodontal and dental implant services in two convenient locations. They offer over a decade of experience treating patients, and appointments can even be scheduled in the evenings, weekends, or early mornings. 
Give them a call in Chapel Hill at 919-537-9774 or in Durham at 919-484-8338 or visit them online at gumsandimplants.org. And I mean, just just touch on, you know, building those relationships, like you said, with the power players in the industry, the city of Columbia. And as we, you know, touch on um, the Love, Peace and Hip Hop Festival. Oh, yeah. And and then just the venues and artists looking to get some shine. Just just talk about being, you know, the the conduit for all of this amazing um, music and love to be shared. Well, like. I don't know. You ever heard of uh, Lyricist Lounge? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so the TV show yeah. and all that. So yeah. in New Ruckus York. Ruckus Records. Yeah. So Lyricist Lounge was basically like uh, a melting pot for all up and coming MCs trying to get their music heard. And that's basically what nonstop hip hop was for South Carolina. It was just basically an opportunity to give. MCs, DJs, breakers, graffiti artists, people who just loved hip hop culture, just giving them a space in the venue to express themselves. Cause you know, you go to the clubs now, people don't even dance. People are just on their, you know, phones, you know, drinking a hand, you know, it's not even, it's not even a party vibe. People are just hanging out. But ours was more like hanging out too, but you also had artists that can come and perform. You can see live performances. Cause you know, Columbia, is rock is rock it's just a rock city and you know there are very few places especially now which is crazy that even want hip-hop in the building which Mm -hmm. makes no sense you know if 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 you think hip-hop people always assume you know some type of violence and things like that but you know at a non-stop show man i can count the number of times on my hands we had fights or we had altercations it's definitely less than five man you know, throughout the whole year. So it's just, it's, it was just, it was just something we felt needed. You know, we just needed a place that, you know, people like you and me, people who, who may not have ever been on a stage, may not ever get the opportunity to perform on stage. Cause you know, everybody's dream is to be the biggest rapper or the biggest DJ in the world. And, you know, when life hits, <laughs> responsibilities hits, you know, stuff like that may never happen. So, we just wanted to make sure we gave cats an opportunity to say, yo, I don't know about you, but I know how to perform. I know how to, you know, control a crowd. I know how to, you know, produce. I know, you know, I, I know, I know stage and crowd control and engagement and stuff like that. So we just wanted to make sure, you know, we gave a safe space for people to do that. Man. Mm-hmm. And would you consider the, the Love, Peace and Hip Hop Festival like the, the pinnacle, like the ultimate accomplishment? As far as being able to, you know, have a event that is supported by the city, oh yeah, definitely. you know, for multiple days and attract, you know, a Rakim, a KRS, a Kane, definitely. a MC Light, you know, yeah, Hill Gang. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot. Yeah, man, you know, the the whole the Love Peace and Hip Hop Festival really came about because we knew, you know, we're both. I'm 45, like I said, I'm a father. Takisa's father uh, and my man Fat Rat Dissolve, you know, he's a father too. And we wanted a place where hip hop could represent all the different levels, the different generations. Because now, you know, next year, hip hop is 50 years old, you know, the, 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 you know, and that's a long time. So, you know, 50 years old means there are people who started it, there's people 
who've been in the groove, and there's people just getting started. So it's different generations. And Love, Peace, and Hip Hop just started because we just wanted a place, a safe space for people who loved hip hop, regardless of the generation. You know, if you're old school, new school, true school, we just wanted a place where everybody could enjoy it. And all Love, Peace, and Hip Hop is, is just nonstop hip hop live on a grand scale. It's the same process. You know, we were using some of the same tools, some of the same tricks, some of the same, you know, even some of the same performance, just making sure it was just on a bigger scale. You know, more people were able to see it and really see hip hop and all its elements in its true form. So we were definitely proud doing that, you know, and who knows? We're creeping up on the 10 year anniversary. I think this might actually be the 10 year anniversary because the first one was 2012. So it's possible we may do something soon with it. Okay. So um, I had went to um, an event at New Brooklyn Tavern, you know, around Thanksgiving that you you plugged me into. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was like a Fat Rats um, showcase. Yeah. And um, me and Shaquise had a moment with Eclipse. Yeah. And Shaquise mentioned that he was – retiring from DJing. <laughs> yeah. He, he's been retired for a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah so been... like, so <laughs> has that thought ever crossed your mind? Like, you know what, I'm going to, you know, hang it up and just focus on, you know, being an author and, you know, your business ventures yeah, and yeah. family. Like if in all honesty, this year, this past year, 2022 has probably been, the year that I've done the least amount of music DJ wise, like this year, like I haven't, you know, people know me, they know I love doing mixtapes and I love doing projects, stuff like that. But this is the first year since I've been DJing that I haven't put out a mixtape and I put out countless mixtapes <laughs> in all my years of DJing. And this is the first year I haven't done it. So this year might be the closest that I've been right now you know because i i really you know it's not so much that i don't have a love for it because music has changed to me like the hip-hop that i grew up on the sounds that i grew up on is different from what's being played out there and there's nothing wrong with it it's just different for me it's not made for me it's made for you know people younger than me but it's still some hip-hop that's made currently that i love but i just right lately i just haven't i just haven't been excited about doing it but I've definitely still, you know, I've done shows here and there and, you know, I've worked on some stuff, but I just haven't, you know, put anything out. But, you know, probably next year I'm going to get back into it, get back to the groove and, you know, definitely drop some more projects. But I'm not retiring right now. OK, <laughs> as, as long as the hip hop, you know, because there's still some records out there that I find that I love. But, you know, I'm definitely not hanging it up right now. But I definitely have taken a pause in 2022. <laughs> okay. As long as you're back in 2023, because, you know, I'm, I'm about to put you on the spot. Um, <laughs> so are you going to officially DJ my wedding or not? <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Most definitely. We, we can do it. <laughs> okay, good. We can, we can do it. <laughs> we can All right. do it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll we'll have to finish, you know, talking about that. Because I know, like I said in the um, message, I know that you're capable of delivering the experience that I'm envisioning in my head. So 
Well, yeah. I, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. Well, you know, I'm a fan of the music, but you know, one thing I learned when it comes to weddings is about the bride <laughs> and what she likes. <laughs> you may want to hear some thugged out DMX. <laughs> so you got to make sure she enjoys the day. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've already had conversations. Yeah, I already know. I already know. It's, a, it's, it's compromise, my brother. Welcome. I've yep. been married 15 years. It's compromise. Congrats. Yes. <laughs> so, so what are you most proud of? in your journey still being here man you know i'm you know I'm, I'm dj kingpin the villain of final turntable city first black owned record store in the state i'm still here yeah. man that's big. that becomes that's that stems from just my love of hip-hop my love for the music man just making sure that i don't lose the love you know, like that's that's been the best part of it now like i said it's been hard for me you know, because I'm a father, I'm a man, I got kids, I got, you know, you know, I got a wife, you know, I got a full-time job. For those who don't know, I'm a teacher. So my time is not what I want it to be. You know, you can see the gray hair. I got gray hair. I'm stressed like everybody else, but, you know, I'm still here, man, just trying to make it rolling, trying to do better. You know, I still got breath in my lungs, so that means, you know, I still got opportunities to do what I need to do. Man. So I'm yeah. still here. So that's what matters. For right now, <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> might be something different, but for right now, I'm still here, man. <laughs> Beautiful. Now, you might have just answered my next question, and okay. that was um, what's something about you that people find most surprising? Uh, that I'm just I'm just real laid back. You know, I'm not. You know, like like I, you know, I'm I'm a very few people. You know, this is just me talking now. You got to ask people. But very uh -huh. few people can say that I've been a burden to them. Like, I'm always a real laid back, real calm, real cool guy. I'm never one for the rah-rah type stuff. I try to keep foolishness away from me. Now, if it comes, then, you know, we handle it, you know, specifically. But I try to I try to be peace with everybody, cool with everybody. I'm not, I'm not big on enemies and big on negative stuff. So... You know, if if I don't like you, I just keep to myself. You know, I don't come out and disrespect you because I don't want you to do that to me. But, you know, I just I keep to myself. I'm just real laid back, laid back guy. But what shocks a lot of people is when they see my collection. <laughs> That's what shocks. But no, other than that, man, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just real like a real laid back cat. Nothing, you know. I'm not trying to make any waves unless it's, you know, to improve my, you know, my family, improve my people's and improve my business, man. Anything outside of that realm, if it's going to bring me foolishness, I don't want to deal with it, man. Okay. I mean, I don't, I only really think that's a surprise, but yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, like, I, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to, I try to be straightforward. Like, you know, if, and that's, you know, for me, um, I keep I play I play it close to home, man. I don't really I don't really have a lot of people. Like I know a lot of people, but you know I play it close to home, man. Not you know it's not I don't call everybody my brother. Like mm -hmm. you know to be called my brother, you know that that for me that's that's important. Like that means I'm here for you, and that means you're there for me, man. So right. you know you know how some people just friends with everybody. Mm -hmm. So but for me, I just try to be peace with everybody, man. 
I just try to be cool, do what I got to do, man. That's the right approach. That's it. All right. So as we prepare to close. Yes, sir. What does it mean to be black today? <laughs> right now. Right now in America? Uh-huh. Aware. <laughs> it, it, honestly, honestly, is, and this, this is, you know, this really was tied into history, man. Just being black, just being resilient, just being, you know, as, as old folks would say, staying prayed up, staying prepared, staying focused. And I think for me, cause like, you know, I'm a high school teacher. So I see a lot of the foolishness like our children are dealing with, man. And just, they just distracted. Like they distracted from what it is that really matters and what it is they need to focus on, which is their future and their family, man. But I think for us as black folks, we got to, <laughs> we got to get rid of this fog, man. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of stuff in our way. We really got to get back focused, man. Just get focused. Like, you know, I, I see kids like, for example, I, I gave my kids an assignment. They had to record a video explaining uh, the digestive system. And these are seniors. These are honor students. So, you know, if you're a senior and you're an honor student, that means you should be able to explain yourself. You know, they had kids had to do this assignment, you know, like record. Like I think it's like a two, three minute video. And mm-hmm. it was a struggle for some of them, man. But if I asked them to do a dance, what's the latest dance? They could dance 10 minutes straight. And I'm like, you're more focused on, you know, doing a TikTok dance instead of being able to explain yourself. Because when you get out of this high school building, you're going to be in situations where you got to explain yourself. You got to know how to deliver messages, deliver your point, explain what's happening, you know, break down facts, things like that. And a lot of them, you know, it's a struggle, man. And not even so much the kids. The kids struggle because parents struggle. You know, man, I see, <laughs> I don't know how many parents I know buying kids new phones, new sneakers, new hair, and kids are failing. Like, mm-hmm. like literally failing two, three, four classes. I know when I was coming up, I couldn't do that. <laughs> and, you know, and then expect to get stuff on top of it. Nah, man. So really, I think for us, Right now, we got to get our priorities in order, man. Get straight. Get back to family. Get back to just being focused on what's better, man. So right. I really think we distracted nowadays. So that's, if anything, that's me. Okay. So, Great. But <laughs> I don't know. Who who knows? You know, I, I don't know everything because, you know, ain't nobody perfect. Because I was definitely young and dumb for a while, too. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, so, I say into my mid twenties. Exactly. You know? So you know, and that's what I'm saying. It's just experience. You got to life experiences does it, man. So, but you know, but it was a time. Certain things you knew you could do, and certain things you knew you just shouldn't be doing. So it's different now. Right. All right, Kingpin. Yes, sir. Feel free to plug, plug <laughs> whatever you need to plug, and you know. <laughs> If you want to leave us with a parting shot, you can do that too. Well, definitely, man. I definitely appreciate, you know, Riverside. I appreciate you, Detroit. Appreciate all the love and support over the years, man. You've definitely been riding with us, holding us down for years, for years. And we definitely appreciate that, man. But, you know, for the people out there, I'm DJ Kingpin, the villain of vinyl. 
If you can see my tag, my social media is DJ Kingpin VOV. The VOV stands for Villain of Vinyl, Founder, Nonstop Hip Hop, Founder, Nonstop Hip Hop Live, Founder, Love, Peace, and Hip Hop, Founder of Keep God First Publications. I put out a book probably like two years ago. I need to get back to writing. So definitely we'll have some more of those coming. My wife, you know, she's an author. Royal Statements, check her out. But, you know, on a turntable city, man, I'm just here living, just trying to survive and do my thing, help my people, man. All right. So, I mean, like I said, I thank you for all of the blood, sweat, and tears you've, you know, poured into this, you know, culture of ours. Yeah, man, and, I uh, and I mean, you know, you know, providing that spotlight for, you know, many that just had, as J. Cole would say, a dollar in a dream. Yeah, yeah. And but then also like not limiting it to just, you know, the music and the fun aspect, you know, making sure that, you know, as KRS said, you must learn. Yeah. Having definitely. that ed- that educational component. Definitely, definitely. You know? That 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 makes a huge difference, man, because you know, it's it's like and this is the thing I really want people to understand before you stop. When it comes to music, it's ours. All music you think of from rock, soul, jazz, blues, reggae, hip hop, classical, any music you can think of began with people who look like me and you. And the fact that music looks like us, we need to know things. We need to know the business. We need to know how it's structured. We need to know, you know, we need to be in positions of power, man. We can't we can't expect (laughs) everybody else to dictate to us something that we create like that just makes no sense. Like, that's like me walking into your house, telling you how to paint your walls, telling you how to cook your food or, you know, like you got, we just got to take, I think, take more responsibility for what we create and for how it's presented to others. No, no, I think we'll end on that. No, Uh, (laughs) I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was like, that's one of the main reasons why I started Turntable City. Because you mm-hmm. go to any record store, you see people selling our music, but you don't see people like us. Right. So Exactly. I, I, I want to balance the scales a little bit. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, we need that. You know, we need, we need to see people that look like us in any and every um, nook and cranny of this, of this world. Exactly. I don't care. I don't care if it's veterinarians. I don't exactly. care if it's... Um, Managing like custodial duties, yes, yes. running hotels. I yes. don't care. We, we need to have people that look like us in, in control. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, Kingsley wearing. Yes, sir. Nonstop hip hop live. Yes, sir. Um, Turntable City. Yes, sir. Keep God First Publications. Teacher, author. Yes, sir. Hip hop ambassador. <laughs> and last but but last but not least the villain of vinyl yes sir i appreciate you man yep and for stop looking listen i'm your host Troy garden see you next week peace and blessings peace